Hi everyone, today I'm chatting with Purple, who is based in Seattle in the US. She is literally retiring from her job in a few weeks and she's on the podcast. We chat about why she's reaching FI and retiring early, how she optimized her life in order to retire at the age of 30 and her plans once she quits her job. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everyone. I am here with Purple, all the way in Seattle in the US. Purple, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you on because we've kind of been... In each other's, uh, I don't know, Twitter feeds. Well, you have been a lot in my Twitter feed, basically. <laughs> and so now, obviously, we have the, the opportunity to catch up uh, on the podcast. But before we dive into today's topic, could you kind of give us a summary of who you are and what is it that you do to our listeners? Sure. I'm Purple from purplelife.com, and I'm quitting my job in September to retire at 30. Nice. <laughs> Nice and precise. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, and you are going to quit your job because you have reached FI, right? Or you, you are correct. going to. Actually, you've already reached, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I hit my FI number in July. Nice. How exciting. And you have been recording or, or yeah, recording this entire journey on your blog. So everyone can kind of check it out. Exactly. Right? From the beginning when I started in January of 2015 until now. Wow. Everything has been documented. <laughs> Crazy. You should turn it into a book or maybe. One day you could turn it. Into I'm trying not to have a job. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, true, true, true. Right, good point. Okay, today I kind of wanted to talk about how you are, you know, counting down your days, uh, and you are retiring at 30. On your blog, it says you are retiring in one month, one week, and one day. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, how have you been preparing? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how exciting that is and what's going on at the moment? Sure. Super exciting, terrifying, all that good stuff. <laughs> My partner and I recently got rid of all of our things, actually, to become nomads about a month ago. And then we moved from our apartment that we've been in for five years to a monthly Airbnb in a different neighborhood in Seattle. So that was the big, <laughs> the big thing. Can I actually get rid of every, basically everything I own? to live that nomad life. Uh, so we did that. I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> uh, but other than that preparation, I'm writing and rewriting my like quit speech, my resignation letter, and just mentally preparing for what I'm about to do. <laughs> it's a big deal. Like you feel like the, the resignation is going to be very scary or... Um, I'm always scared before I do something <laughs> wild, uh, but I do it anyway. So... Yeah, just trying to prepare myself for that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, and we're gonna go back on like the your what your plans are for the future because I'm sure that's the really exciting part um, for mm -hmm. you. Uh, but before we talk about that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your FI journey and and kind of the main reason maybe you wanted to fire or why you were attracted to this concept in the in the first place. Sure, uh, the reason I wanted to fire is a pretty morbid one. I have had a lot of my family die relatively early in my life. And it kind of shaped how I think about everything. I never assume basically that I'll see anyone again or that I will be around or healthy or that they will. 
Um, so it's kind of a morbid way to look at the world, but I also think it's very helpful because then every second is precious. So I don't want to be working longer than I need to away from the people I love when I don't know if I'll get another chance. So that's why. And you believe that a career, well, not career, that's not the right word, but a job is like not letting you do that pretty much, right? It's not for me. I know some people can find that balance and I've tried so hard, <laughs> but I haven't. Um, my job, it might be part of my like perfectionist tendencies. It might just be the way my brain works. But when I have a job, I'm all about that job. I want to do my absolute best. And part of that is that I can't turn my brain off at all. So even when I want to, even the weekends, even the evenings with my partner or whatever's happening, even vacations, I mean, I just, I can't. So I wish I could find that balance, but, and in the decade or about decade I've been working, I haven't. So I'm going to try removing that from my life and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Good experiment. And to provide context, what, what kind of job do you have currently? What is the job that you're quitting? I work in marketing and previously I worked in ad agencies. Yeah. And I, I have this question here. Uh, you kind of already answered it, but you have considered working in another industry or, or trying something else, as probably a lot of people have told you. They're like, uh, you know, why don't you just be self-employed or something like that? Mm -hmm. And you have decided that's just no. Why not just retire? Right. Exactly. I have considered every possibility. I even um, wrote a post about it. I think it was called Why I Pursue Fire Instead of Other Options. Um, I did switch industries. I switched careers a little bit. It's kind of adjacent, um, which did make me happier. But at, when I would think about becoming self-employed or taking a break or like working for half the year and then going back to it, it actually seemed more stressful than what I do mm -hmm. just because well, self-employed, literally you are responsible for if you eat. So I can imagine that my workaholic tendencies will skyrocket because I don't know which opportunity will pay my food bill that month. So you have to pursue all of them. And then similarly, well, also with the working part of the year, I find interviews extremely time consuming because I, I study for them like their exams for every single informational interview or anything like that. So thinking of half my year being working really hard and the, during that also interviewing sounds worse than just working um so yeah i've thought about it but this seems like the easiest path yeah that that makes sense and i guess eventually i mean you just it's what you're doing is just trying something else maybe eventually you try this and and then it evolves into another thing that you weren't even expecting but you'll never mm -hmm. know until you try it right exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh so for probably a bit, I think 10 years, right? You said mm -hmm. you have been optimizing your life in order to reach FI. So could you tell us a little bit how how you did that, really? Yeah. Sure. So I started my journey, like I mentioned, in 2015. So it's been about five years, a little over. Oh, why was it? Why did I think it was 10 years? Oh, I've been working for this. 10 years. <laughs> you have been working for 10 years, but you have been pursuing FI for five years, mm -hmm. right? Okay. It's confusing as all of my life is. So <laughs> what I did was even before I started pursuing fire, I kept job hopping for a couple of reasons. In the beginning, it was because I had a lot of toxic work environments that I was trying to leave. And then later on, it was because I realized that I really like variety in my work. And at the time when I was in ad agencies, you can't really get that from staying in the same company because you're just on the same account basically until you die. So I job hopped for those reasons. And while doing that, I also realized that that is really the only way in that industry to make significant increases in your salary. So every time I jumped, I got about a 20K pay increase. So 
um, when I started pursuing FI in 2015, I was making, I think it was 65 and now I'm making 113. And that's not from really promotions or anything like that. That was just from job hopping. And then I also um, cut my expenses basically in half because I used to live in Manhattan. And then I moved to Seattle, like you mentioned, using domestic geo arbitrage. And I actually have a better life here, but it's half the cost just because we moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you focused really on both sides of the equation, increasing your income and and cutting expenses. And from Mm -hmm. what I understand, you're also quite a a budget nerd, right? Also, you like (laughs) kind of control, not controlling, but knowing where your money is going. Right. Yes, I love knowing where it's going. I'm not uh, good at controlling it, <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> um, I because I moved, basically seventy, I believe, percent of my expenses were just locked in into a pretty low rate. My rent, ex- the monthly bills that I have, so I can do whatever I want with the rest of it. <laughs> it doesn't really impact anything. Wait, your your expenses are seventy percent of your income? No, no, no. So my like set expenses, like monthly bills, including my yep. rent, are 70% of my budget. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What a fright. <laughs> 70% of your income is not. Okay. And can you tell us a bit about your FI number and kind of the journey, maybe some, some lifestyle changes that you did during those five years to reach your FI number? Um, so my FI number was half a million dollars or is half a million dollars, um, which like I mentioned, I hit in July uh, and really I just did those two things of increasing my income and cutting my expenses by moving. I did a few small things, but they didn't have as big of an impact as those. Like I changed my phone plan from a hundred dollar a month AT&T iPhone to a $15 a month Republic wireless Android. And my life was the same, but I was saving all that money every month. So it was really small things like that. And I just started investing all of the money that I had in the gap between my income and my expenses after the move. And it compounded and here we are. And um, okay, so you were in what kind of investments uh, were you pursuing? Was it company sponsored or did you do? I mean, I'm guessing it's index funds like Mm -hmm. all of us in the FI world. But yeah, tell us a little bit about what kind of investments you were. Yeah, I was getting into all of them. So I was maxing out my tax advantage accounts through my employer. I opened a traditional IRA. And um, I had some left over to invest that I put it in a traditional, or excuse me, in a taxable account as well. And this was all index funds through Vanguard. Nice. I invest in Vanguard too, mm-hmm. <laughs> the UK <laughs> version. So you've saved up, you've invested, you've reached your goal. How has it been in the past few months uh, seeing, I, I mean, I'm sure you're like more than prepared for this kind of uh, a downturn or a stock market crash. Mm-hmm. but you know, how did you prepare yourself mentally for something like this to happen? So I've been practicing exposure therapy my entire journey. So I guess that's five years, five plus. So I look at the stock market and my net worth every day. And the idea behind that is as you're slowly growing your nest egg, you see like, oh, I gained $100 today. Oh, I quote unquote lost $100 today. And then slowly as your net worth increases, those numbers obviously get bigger, what you gain and lose as well. And so it's like slowly dipping your toe into like hotter (laughs) and hotter water (laughs) so that you kind of get used to it. And I was testing that out. I didn't know if that would work or if I would just freak out as many people say they do when um, you see your money, quote unquote, disappear. So that was my way to combat it. But I also I was like, oh, no, I'm a huge wimp. Like when I see this go down in March, when 
we, we, the market went down, what was it, 33%. I'm going to freak out like everyone else. And shockingly, I didn't. And that was really unexpected. So I guess the exposure therapy worked. <laughs> I like it. I've never heard of exposure therapy. Yeah. I've never heard of it before. But uh, so, yeah. So if you just check out your investments every single day, you're preparing yourself to, you know, if something big happens. Pretty much mm -hmm. that's what you're saying. Yeah. And it worked for me. But I also know that some people thrive on the exact opposite. For example, my mm -hmm. mom retired at 55 and she cannot look like good or bad. She cannot look at her investments. So she doesn't. And I was like, good, know, know that about yourself. And so if you're one yeah. of those people, if looking at it and seeing your number go down would make you ever think about selling, don't look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Okay. Could you tell us a little bit like the, the numbers that you've been uh, if you're comfortable with that, although mm -hmm. if you have a blog, I'm, I guess you, you are. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of what your withdrawal rate is, how much are you planning on living on every year, and how are you going to stick to that number, really? Mm -hmm. So I um, have a variable withdrawal rate. I don't use necessarily like the 4% rule of thumb or anything like that. What I've done is I use um, cfiresim.com, which is a really interesting fire calculator that basically has infinite variables that you can use to calculate what you'll use down the line for your withdrawal rate, for um, your spending ceiling, sp spending floor, all of that stuff. So what I inputted was um, retiring at 30, living until 100, which I probably won't, <laughs> but um, and then also spending, uh, currently in Seattle, I'm spending $18,000 a year. And in retirement, I assumed that would go up a little bit because I'm planning to move around, travel, be a nomad and all that stuff. So I assumed I gave like an 11% buffer, took that up to $20,000 a year. But my plan, um, because I will be completely flexible in where I live and where I go, um, and therefore how much I spend, kind of using geo-arbitrage as my variable spending lever in retirement, I calculated that if I can drop my spending a couple thousand dollars, like two or $3,000, which is not hard if I, you know, go live in the mountains of Vermont for a few months instead of <laughs> New York City. If I do that, then I would have survived any 70-year period in the past, even if I retired in 1929 at the eve of the Great Depression. So that made me feel pretty good. Um, yeah. And that calculation does not assume a spending ceiling. So in upmarket years, I can spend basically anything I want. Well, some of those years later in retirement when the market's already been kind to me in a few scenarios it had me spending like half a million dollars a year i'm like whoa 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 <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but it's just interesting that if i put no ceiling on it depending on the market i could do some wild things in the future we'll see yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting i, I guess you're gonna keep the the blog up right mm -hmm. while you're yeah so it'll be really interesting to see how everything goes and so now onto the fun stuff which is the future right the mm -hmm this coming month nearly. So I know COVID probably put a wrench in your plans <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but what are your big plans for this year uh, once you, you know, once you're free? Mm -hmm. So COVID did indeed change things. We originally had booked, we, my mom and I were going to travel around Australia and New Zealand so I could see the Great Barrier Reef for about two months. And then obviously that's been canceled or rather rescheduled. Fingers crossed in like one or two years we can <laughs> do sure. instead. But that was my original plan. And then after that, I was going to head to Argentina to see a friend of mine for a month. Um, and then a few months later, we were going to go to Thailand for a couple months. Wow. So 
that was all booked and fun to reschedule, but it doesn't, obviously these are not real problems. So instead of that, uh, we're pretty much locked into the U.S. and we were debating like, oh, should we stay in Seattle? Like, what's the safest thing to do? All that stuff. And decided that in the end of September, we are going to move to the East Coast because that's where our families are. Um, do the whole, you know, quarantine two weeks and that kind of stuff. But um, that's what we're going to do since travel isn't really an option and we have a global pandemic on our hands. So I don't know if everyone <laughs> will still be, you know, around or healthy. Um, families come in first. So we just shifted our plans that way. And your partner, is he also FI or how is he adapting to your new lifestyle? He's not yet. He actually told me about FI in 2013. And I ignored him for two years, so that wasn't great. But um, he he uh, is taking his journey a little slower than mine. I mean, everyone go at their own pace. So he's not there yet, but um, he will be soon. And then we can be wild nomads together. Well, we'll still be nomads together, but like fine nomads. <laughs> so he'll be able to work from his computer, I guess, while, while yep. you guys are traveling? Or yeah. is, are you going to like leave him in one place? And <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm planning to bring him with me. Um, we both work remote, but oh, even yeah. before the pandemic, but my, it's, a, my situation's kind of weird. Like technically our company is remote, but they still want us to be in Seattle. Mm. So we couldn't have a full nomad life when I was still working, but that's the plan. We'll see how working on a Mexican beach works out for him <laughs> <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. You need good internet. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, in my experience, I am actually, although I also work from my computer, I cannot Uh, do this whole nomad thing because i like i need a proper desk a proper chair Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a a laptop stand uh because you know if you if you have a desk job you kind of want to you want to take care of your back right so i always i've never actually been able to really do that nomad thing i don't know people who are able to do that i don't know how they do it unless you're in like a really comfortable place but if not Mm -hmm. it's a bit (laughs) of that okay well then of course all the travel plans have been cancelled but in general, have you, you've planned for the next kind of year, but have you planned for the next few years or five years? Or is that just like winging it? Pretty much winging it. My mom and I have a few big trips planned like once a year, I think for the next four years or so. Obviously, this year was the Australian New Zealand one now being moved mm-hmm. to next year, at least. Um, then she wants to go to Machu Picchu. Nice. Um, explore Peru and all of that good stuff. I'll probably pop over to my friend in Argentina another year. I think she wanted to go on a road trip around the U.S. Maybe we should move that one up to now, <laughs> <laughs> given the situation. Um, and she had another one. Oh, she wanted to go biking all around Germany. Very random, but sure, let's do it. <laughs> or France also is a good place because of the Tour de France. That's also very... Okay, I'll let her know. We just extended (laughs) our trip like another couple months. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds amazing, honestly. Um, And do you think in the mean, is this going to be like full on holiday or you're going to be blogging also, I guess? Mm -hmm. Do you plan on on being like, okay, I'm going to move to this country, maybe do some volunteering or some other stuff? Or is it just pure holiday? Um, Planning on pure holiday for now, but knock on wood, 70 years is a long time. So mm-hmm. I never say never. I have no idea what future purple is going to want to do after I've finally like, I don't know, rested enough that I don't feel tired all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, yeah, never say never. I'm going to keep the blog up, though. The blog for me is a holiday. Mm. That's why I'm, I'm keeping it. I love it so much. So, yeah, I'm keeping my weekly blog schedule for at least a year into retirement and then I'll reassess. But other than that, 
no restrictions. If we do travel around France and I end up wanting to volunteer for, I don't know, tour <laughs> to France or whatever, <laughs> sure, let's do it. Sounds nice. <laughs> and do you feel passionate about FI in general? Like, is this a kind of message that you believe like you are writing about it extensively? So obviously, mm-hmm. you know your stuff. Do you do you believe this is something that, that other people should find out more about? I mean, yes, obviously. But is this something that you feel compelled to do? Like, tell everyone about this amazing concept? Mm. I don't feel compelled. But I do share it with everyone. So, for example, in in a not trying to be like annoying or pushy way, but all of my friends and family know that I'm retiring at 30. I have yet to have any pushback from it. Uh, a lot of people come to me for finance questions. I'm happy to help them. <laughs> Pro bono, even. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think talking about finance in general is not done enough. So I've always mm-hmm. been open with that. If people ask me my salary net worth rent, whatever. I share it with them. I share it with my colleagues. Um, Financial transparency is really important. So yeah, um, I like kind of living by example and then people can ask questions or jump on if they want. But yeah, I think FIRE is really a fantastic cheat code to life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If someone wants to take it, like no pressure, but just knowing it's an option, I think is amazing. Yeah, definitely. And I think more and more people are saying it doesn't even have to be fire. It can be just FI. Like mm-hmm. uh, I just had an interview with uh, an old friend of mine and he's like, yeah, he reached FI at 33 also. And he's like, I mean, he's not working. He's taking care of his family, but eventually he does his own kind of work, which is teaching others about investing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, it doesn't have to be fire, but it can be just that simple concept of being independent mm-hmm. is, is powerful enough, right? Yep, completely. Yeah. And out of curiosity, really, how are you going to manage the whole um, tax residency thing? Because I don't know about the, U- I mean, a little bit about the US. If you, I don't know how it is, if you spend, if you don't spend an entire year there, then are you a non-resident? How, how are you going to manage kind of where you're paying your taxes and all that? It's just going to stay in the US. You mean which state or if I have to pay US taxes? US taxes, because when mm-hmm. you're traveling, obviously you're not going to be in the US. Well, mm-hmm. when you're outside of the U.S. So how are you going to manage tax residency if that's a thing that is an issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, last I checked on the number of days you have to be outside the U.S., I'm actually not planning to be outside that long. I think you can only wow. be in the U.S. for like a month, and I'm planning to be more like half-half. So yeah, I'll still pay U.S. taxes, and I'm going to be a Washington resident, Washington State resident for at least another six years. Um, and they don't have any income tax. <laughs> so um yeah no state tax but paying u.s federal taxes here uh for the foreseeable future and if we do decide to you know just go full expat um Mm -hmm. i'll figure that out then but yeah that's a plan for now okay nice yeah that that's pretty easy going like it's easy to manage Mm -hmm. uh, because if not at least for me yeah Yeah. a bit of a headache especially we have that problem here in europe because a lot of people move around all the time and spending six months in one country is a bit of a commitment sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a nightmare. And kind of more looking towards life and philosophical stuff. If you do you believe that the if you had been well, I have this question written here, like if you knew everything you you knew now at mm-hmm. twenty or eighteen is this something, would you have repeated it all over again or would you have said, nope, go somewhere else, <laughs> earn a lot of money and retire even sooner? Mm. What, what do you think? 
I think I would have taken the same path, but if I took the same path, I would have just by the nature of starting earlier would have retired sooner, but not like intentionally worked harder or got a more difficult job to retire sooner. Just the math of that, knowing a couple of years earlier would have given my money more time to compound. I would have started earlier in the market and all that stuff. Yeah, currently I wouldn't have changed anything. I did actually slow down my journey about four years ago when I did make that career shift to marketing. And I also stopped job hopping. I've been at the same job for four years. So that obviously uh, stopped my whole plus 20K trajectory that I was used to. So yeah, I slowed down in the middle there for a little bit. made me happier. I don't regret that either. So yeah, currently I think I'm all good and would do it again. I can let you know if that changes in the future, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining, uh, you know, if, if you you had a daughter or a son or, you know, or a niece or a nephew, I don't know, who's now like just graduated from high school or graduated from university, you know, would you say, what would you tell them? Like, what would you, would mm -hmm. you recommend? Like, try and reach FI or would you say, no, explore your options, mm -hmm. see what's coming? What, 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 what do you think mm -hmm. you'd say? I'd say do both. And actually, so mm -hmm. me and my partner um, do tell all of our siblings, nieces and nephews about everything in finance, including fire. So they all know as 14, 16, 18 year olds, none of them are intentionally pursuing the path, but they are aware of things like interest rates <laughs> and yes. not to lease cars and what uh, credit cards are doing when they're talking about APR and to have an emergency fund and all that stuff. So, yeah, none of them are like barreling down the path, which is fine. We were just like, here are all the finance stuff that would we wish we had known at your age. Here, here you go. Do what you want. So, yeah, I wouldn't push anyone specifically to pursue fire, fire. I think just for me, it's kind of like a necessity since I can't or have not been able to find a good balance with a job so far. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I think we can move on to our final questions. If people want to find out more about your journey and learn more about you, where can we find you online? You can find me at upperplelife.com. Um, like I said, I'll be posting every Tuesday. I'm going to continue in retirement for at least a year. So you can find me there. And then afterwards, I'll let you know if I'm still going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and uh, cool articles. I think at least one thing that you get, can do and that you enjoy doing is writing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's actually kind of how I started too. That's another story. <laughs> and our second question is, what is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? Mm -hmm. I think it could be it's... a blog or, or anything. <laughs> I think it's that cfiresome.com mm -hmm. uh, calculator that I mentioned that has basically infinite variables. Um, a lot of the other fire calculators are pretty rigid, but I like to just mess around. So if you guys are looking to see how you can create your plan for the future, not necessarily relying on any rules of thumb that have come before, mm. I think it's a good place to check out. Nice. We'll add that one in the show notes. Uh, mm -hmm. And our last question is, yeah, what is your number one actionable tip for someone who is thinking or is starting already on their path to FI? It's figure out what you want and do it. <laughs> Don't hesitate for two years like I did before starting your path if this is something you want. And also don't be afraid of what people will think. Just do it. Yep. I like it. Great. Okay. Well, Purple, uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. 
And Matthias, do you think there are no enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project, to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.